Welcome, everybody, to Bridge Builders Communities Church Sermon Podcast. You are listening to one of our messages from our weekly gathering. We hope that you sit back and enjoy and be blessed. trying to navigate the past two years. Mm-hmm. We're still in the midst of it, aren't we? That's and that's okay. We're still trying to figure out how this looks. Mm-hmm. How this works. With all the various amounts of the losses across this room. And I know there are a lot. I'm all kinds of ways. 
Now you're talking about the pandemic. But that's in there too. And all the social unrest, and all, all the gender confusion, and all the assaults on marriage, and, and the church, and everything. And I'm telling you, we might be wondering, what the heck is next? What's going on? We've got to navigate, we're still navigating this. why I think it's important to realize how we're asking that question. Are we asking that question with dread? Are we asking it with excitement? Not ignoring the, what's causing maybe the dread or what's causing the doubt or what's causing the fear. But maybe there's another way to look at that question and another way to anticipate and I believe that there is. Now, if you would, I would like you to go to the Gospel of John, chapter 21, because I think there's a story here that speaks directly to this dilemma. The, the disciples are in a what-next moment. They are, they are feeling the stress of, of, of the what-next moment. So let's pick up the story in, in uh, verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. I love the start of that. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of the disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. <laughs> this man loves fishing. You won't hold it against him. We'll just pray for him later if we go. He says, I am going fishing. And they said to him, We'll go with you. They went out and they got into the boat that they might, uh, uh, but that night they caught nothing. 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 So what I love about this story is that Peter seems restless. He seems disturbed. After all, he knew what his life looked like. I mean, you know, Peter's life was pretty well ordered. He was a fisherman. He got up early. He mended nets. He took to the boats. He made sure his men knew what was going on. They got into the boats. They went fishing. Hopefully, they caught fish. And then they would bring it back. They would take it to the market. They would sell their fish. He went home. He ate. He slept. And then the next day, he got up and did what? It all over again. <coughs> Peter pretty much had his life figured out. Until Jesus came. And Jesus turned his world upside down. Jesus really messed with Peter's life. All the disciples' life. Changed everything. Changed their perspective on how they saw their world. How they saw the people in their world. He changed everything. And in three years, it was different than what it began. Completely different. He saw miracles. He participated in miracles. 
He, he traveled with, with Jesus everywhere. Everywhere. What's next? Crucifixion. The cross is next. We want to talk about his life being turned upside down again. Completed. His Messiah, his friend, his brother is murdered on the cross. And now, his life is in danger. What's next? What, what can happen? Jesus is dead. What can happen to me next? What can happen to my brothers? What's going to happen to my family? Everything is again. But what's next is the resurrection. Hallelujah! The resurrection three. No, Jesus dies on the cross, and three days later, the miraculous lady raises up from the dead. And once again, Peter's like this. So what does he do? He doesn't know if he should wait for the Messiah. He doesn't know how long he should wait for the Messiah. Is, the, is he going to pop back in again? Is he going to walk through another wall? What is, a, what is Jesus up to? And I know I, I'm Peter, and don't think about Peter because we're just like him. He decides to go back to what is comfortable. Mm -hmm. To what he knows best. That's right. He's going to go back to fishing. Because he knows that. He's been three years away from him, but he knows how to fish. He, he just knows how to do it. And maybe he does this to, to clear his mind. You know, sometimes you go back to the familiar because you, you can do it in your sleep. And Peter, he can fish in his sleep. He can do it. He goes back to what he knows. He goes back to what's comfortable, but he's not finding any comfort. He's going back to what was profitable to him at one point. But there's, 
There's no drop in it because he catches nothing. Zilt. Nada. Not a sardine. Nothing. It's an amazing story. Jesus is, I'm telling you, we make fun of Peter sometimes, and then this man was on a ride for three years. Man. I don't think I could have, I could have handled it like he did, as well as I think he did. Here's a thought for you. You know, waiting on God shouldn't be a surprise for followers of Christ. Why are we surprised? If we've been traveling with Jesus for long enough, we should know that we need to wait mm-hmm. on Him That's right. and wait for Him. Mm-hmm. Anticipating His movement, you know, ready to move at a moment's notice, ready to go to the next step. What's next? We need to be ready for it. But sometimes God asks us to wait. And this is where Peter and the rest of the disciples are, are finding themselves. Sometimes we wait for his provision, we wait for his healing, we wait for his deliverance. But here's the real point. God's timing and purposes are not always clear to us. They're always best. So our next step depends on God's timing. Depends on God's purpose. Depends on God's Will. We have to be looking for him, ready for him, and realizing that the, the, that his his purposes, his timing, although they mess with our purpose and timing, they're always the best for us. Proverbs three five or six reminds us to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Hallelujah. How, how desperate do I need, how desperately do I need to remember this? So much of my understanding has been challenged the past few years. This is why I constantly say that I need to misunderstand this. Because my understanding is so away from God's understanding. I need to misunderstand less and rely on Him more to make my next steps clearer. Let's get back to the story. Verses 45. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet his disciples did not know it was him, didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? And they answered them, No. I'm putting the tone in there, but I'm pretty sure the tone was no. This, this is one of my most favorite parts of the story. Uh, my favorite author, John Elders, talks about the playfulness of Christ. And I believe that right at this moment, 
Jesus, like I'm saying, he's feeling good about being resurrected. And he is he is playing with his friends. He is acting like a tourist or like you know, look, when Christy and I used to walk the beaches and down at Cape Hatteras and there'd be fishermen there, she would stop and ask every fisherman that was there, catch anything? Everyone. It didn't matter how many there were. She wanted to know what they were catching. Now me, I don't care because I hate fishing. I don't care what they're catching. <laughs> Just, I just hate that they're there because, like, you know, they're in my way. <laughs> so, Jesus is acting like, you know, just like a tourist. I just, you know, hey guys, you catch anything? And, you know, some of those people that Christine would ask, they've been out there all morning, they haven't caught anything, they'd go, no, nothing, Brian. Kind of grumpy. These guys have been up all night. Come on. They're not in a good mood. Their job is to catch fish. Their, their talent, their, what they know how to do is to catch fish and they've caught nothing. This is not a happy no. And they still haven't recognized who this is. But I love the playfulness of Jesus. I just love this, that he is, he wants to be with his guys. So, they're right back when they first met Jesus. When Jesus first called them. The following, where he first filled up their nets with fish. The very same story. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And he's playing with them. Mm-hmm. In a good way, teasing them, just almost daring them to discover who he was. I just love Jesus, don't you? I just love him. And so he gives them some recasting instructions in verse 6. He says to them, Cast the net to the right of the ship. <laughs> And you will find some. Well, Jesus understates what he's about to do. You will find some. And then they cast a net, but they did not have the strength to draw them in because of the multitude of fish. That's more than some. That's a lot of fish. So much so that they can't leave the net in. Now, this is really good. The Greek word for cast here is very interesting. It, it does mean to throw. But it means to let go of a thing without caring where it lands. It means to let go of something you're not worried about where it's going. Think about this for a minute. Could it be that Jesus asks us to recast something without worrying or caring where it lands or the results they produce. Let me explain a little bit more because I don't see any light bulbs in the So let's go here. <laughs> you get it yet? Mm-hmm. Have you thinking about it for a minute? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We cast and we trust the answer. The the provision and the amount of the provision to Jesus. So we cast the net because we love Jesus and he's commanding us to cast a net. So could it be that could it be that loving to obey Jesus is better than what we might get from obeying him? 
It's not a trick question. <laughs> could it be better? Of course it could be better. That's the whole point of this, this relationship we have with Christ. It's about love. That's why we obey Him. But this, this casting is meaning that, you know what, well, whenever Jesus asks me to, wherever Jesus asks me to be, how He asks me to do it, I'm going to cast this. I don't care where it lands because I trust in my Savior to provide the results, and whatever the results are, I still trust my Savior. Even if it's the results or the vision, I don't like it. I know it's a little tough there, right? I'm a little tough one, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's not carelessly recasting our nets. It means that we don't worry about when or where it lands because we trust in our Father. I think this story teaches us that Jesus is in complete control. Say complete control. Do you believe that? Yes. He's in complete control. The disciples were experienced and very seasoned fishermen and they caught nothing. Absolutely nothing. But by the morning, they had discovered who Jesus was. And they discovered that Jesus was sovereign over the boats, over the nets, over the water, over themselves, and over the fish, and over the results. He was in complete control of all of it. Even though they were seasoned, experienced fishermen, they needed a Messiah to tell them how to fish and where to fish and to trust Him for the results. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty powerful statement. Mm-hmm. When Jesus speaks, things happen. Life happens. And what seems impossible becomes possible. Matthew 19, 26. But Jesus looked at them and said, with Man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Now, the Greek word for possible is, means strong. It means mighty. It is the word picture that the Greeks would put in there would be uh, a description of a mighty man or a champion. So, Jesus is our Messiah. He's our mighty man. He shows us how. He shows us when. He shows us where to recast the nets to find life. The question is, the question is, the question always is this. Will we accept God's definition of how life should work? Will we let Him define what possible is? What possible looks like? Will we, will we give ourselves to that? We need to trust in God's definition and not our own. I can't trust in my definitions. Because when I do, I am always disappointed. Because my definitions serve only one person. For me. I want the definitions to work for me. And me only. That's why, and that's why my definitions fail. <coughs> so the God's definitions are bigger and broader and more powerful. 
and then produce like with my definitions. Not so much. Not so much. Here's another question. Did you ever wonder why Jesus said cast on the right side of the road? Yeah. Did you? I've always wondered. Yeah? Should I tell you? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'll tell you. Now, fishing boats of Jesus' time were, were pretty big. Uh, they were like 28, almost 28 feet long. They were almost 8 feet wide, and they were about 4 feet deep. And they could hold about 15 people on that boat. So when Peter went fishing, he had a crew. Okay, it wasn't just a couple guys on a, on a little dinghy out there. They were they had a boat, pretty large boat. Now, some of the people on the boat, some of the crew were rowers, and they rowed on the right side. Of the boat. Most people were right-handed, and so it's you know more power on the right side. And the other guys were the net casters. And they would stay, uh, turn the back to the front of the boat and toss the nets this way, with their, again, with their right hand having more power to toss the nets. So they would toss the nets as the boat was uh, being rowed forward, the nets would drag and catch all the fish. Get that picture in your head? Okay, so the right side would be their strong side. And Jesus tells them, but. He messes with her how they do things. He says, no, switch things up. <laughs> Throw the nest off over the right side. See, he's, he's trying to get them to think out of the box or out of the boat. He's trying to think of, you know, hey, look, <laughs> don't rely on your own strength. Don't rely on your own knowledge. Here. Don't rely on what you know is, is what you think you know. Go to the other side of the boat. Go to your weak side. And cast your best thing. See, because it's not really about you. Amen. That's why he has to do it. Again, <laughs> I think Jesus is being playful here. He is, these guys are tired. They've been up all night long. They still don't know it's him. They, all, as far as they know, it's a complete stranger on the beast giving them instructions. And somehow, they listen. <laughs> and not only do they listen, they listen to really bad instructions according to the way they know how to fish. But when they do, there's so much fish they can't even believe it. I don't know. Isn't that how? Isn't that how? Sometimes you've got to go to the other side of the boat to find life. Sometimes you've got to go to the other side. Sometimes you just got to go where Jesus sends you. Go ain't no makes no sense. It didn't make any sense to these guys to go to the weak side of the boat and fish. It just didn't. But they did it anyway. Somehow, God was moving in their spirit. It's beautiful. You've got to go against what's comfortable. What is known. The, the disciples have come full circle now. Jesus is telling them, he's kind of reaffirming. And the rest of the story, you know, with, you know Peter, uh, uh, the, the, the disciple that Jesus loves, said, That's Jesus. Peter jumps into the water, swims to the shore, 
and Jesus already has breakfast later. And later on, he just restores Peter in a beautiful way. But he really restores all of them. He reminds them that not only were they Christians today, but they still are Christians today. And so are we. The story reminds us of the same thing. He reminds them of their mission. And the story reminds us of our mission. Part of our strength of Bridgeville has been our flexibility. To think and move outside of us. For the most part, we have never thought small. Yeah. For the most part, we have not allowed our small numbers to dictate what we could or could not. Amen. We couldn't really get at that for the, for the most part. Yes, there's, there's things that we just did not do well. But for the most part, it has served us well. And I believe it pleased us. So what I think is next for us, what's next, is learning how to recast some nets. So as I close, I want to share some recasting thoughts with you. This is just an introduction to the whole series. So the, the natural question might be, are the leaders going to recast vision? Yes? We're, we're going to recast some vision. Uh, I, I see some powerful opportunities coming down the road. I see some huge, challenging, life-challenging, turn-our-lives-upside-down type of things coming down the road for us. I can't wait to share some of these with you. I can't wait to discover some of these. With you. Here's what I think recasting vision is all about. It's asking all of us to look at the horizon through the lens of the gospel and see where God is leading. That's really what it is. That's all it really is. That will help us see what God sees. That will help us to, to move in the areas that God wants us to move in. Because the harvest is ready, remember? The harvest is ready. However, I'm going to tell you what the series is not. Big O N O T. I wrote it big and bold in my notes. The series is not this. The series is not about leadership telling you what Rich Builder's vision is. And you stepping up to make it happen. That's not what it is. Again, the leadership is going to cast vision. But so are together. Together. It's so much bigger and bolder than just me coming up here and saying, here's James' vision. Who's on board? Now, I know you love me. And, and you would probably raise your hand. Say yes. 
totally different. I mean, I appreciate the loyalty, but that's not what God is saying. And I'm going to cast some vision. I'm going to recast some vision. I, I, I'm going to share things. Michael, share some things. We're, we're, we're going to put some big, bold steps out there. But that's not for you to jump through hoops and do what we ask you to do. I will never do that. And if I do, you have my permission. Slap me on the back of it. My wife would have done that at any moment. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 11 to 12. And it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the works of ministry and to build up the body of Christ. So according to scripture, one of my primary roles is to equip you. Now, the Greek word for equip, I've shared this before, means to get a ship ready for voyage. Provisions, a crew, training, navigational aids, maps, directions. My responsibility is to equip you to go on a bit of our voice to discover the vision that God has given you and help you implement it in all areas of your life. That is part of my responsibility. That's part of leadership's responsibility. And when we do that, and when you step into it, it makes the whole body stronger. So you say amen. Amen. I mean, how kind of God to set this up? I don't want the pressure to give a vision that's totally jaded. Believe me, I have lots of ideas. I have lots of creativity. I am a visionary. I have all kinds of all kinds of stuff I want to share with you. And maybe I will. But I want to release things in you. I feel like the Holy Spirit is already releasing things in you. I know so many things that are going on, and it's beautiful to hear and beautiful to see. And you know what? The greatest part about it is, it's all the Holy Spirit. It's all the Holy Spirit. How kind of God. So, what's next? I think to begin to, begin to answer that question, we need to to look back and take a, a deeper look at our core values. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're listed on our on our website. But that's what this series, we're going to dive back into our core values, back into our mission. We're going to take them apart. We're going to see what's to fix and have, how we were good at it and, and what things we weren't so good at. We, we need to examine these things. We, because when we examine the foundation of what we believe as, a, as bridge builders, uh, it just makes us bolder when we see that the foundation is so strong. That's right. And it is. But we need to examine them. We need to, to reinvest in them. Because they, they, they are our guideposts. They are our navigational aids. You know, so, so, that we can, so that we can see where we're going. So they can clear through the fog. And when the doldrums hit, they can help us keep on going. 
So we need to go back and look at some of those things, and that's what this series is going to be about, looking at them. Um, we, we need to look at our track record. Uh, the things that we did really well, and the things not, not so well. We need to look examples. Again, not to condemn or not to say we were bad, but to say, okay, we were really good here. How can we improve here? Or does even God want us over here? See, that's what examining those things does. It's good and healthy and very prudent for us to do where we are as a church.